welcome to the Families Voices podcast. Our podcast today is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The Family Voices podcast is a series of conversations with families of young children with a developmental delay or disability. We aim to build parents' knowledge, skills and confidence in navigating early childhood services and supports. The podcast is also an opportunity for families to share their stories. This podcast series is brought to you by Early Childhood Intervention Australia, VicTAS. We're a membership-based organisation that's proudly worked alongside families, practitioners and other organisations that provide supports for young children with disability or developmental delay and their families for over 35 years. To learn more about the podcast and our organisation, please visit ekiavic.org.au. Hello, I'm Kerry Ball. It's great to be back with you again for the Family Voices podcast. And this is our last one for the year. So we thought we'd do a retrospective, partly because there was so much rich information uh, that was shared with us from families and we wanted to hear about that again. But also we wanted to thank the families who have participated in Family Voices. So uh, we're going to roll with a, a flashback as a way of thanking those families. So today we've got um, Trish with us again. You might remember Trish was the first guest we had on Family Voices and Trish talked with us about inclusion with such incredible commitment uh, to inclusive practices in the early years and and also shared a lot with us about her family. Hi, Trish. Great to have you here. Hi, Kerry. Yes, good to be back. Thank you. Nice to hear your voice again. <laughs> Thanks, Kerry. <laughs> we'll come back to you in a moment, Trish. Um, we're also joined today by Sarah Richards, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Early Child Intervention Australia, Vic Taz. Um, and I know that this is really important for Sarah because she was um, the one who thought to have a podcast uh, about family voices. So hi, Sarah. Good to have you here. Hi, Kerry. Thanks for that. Yeah, I wanted to, um, to thank the families as well for participating in this podcast. It really, um, we're, we're really proud of this resource for families. We're really, I think it's a real rich resource that shares different experiences of families, but also gives families a voice. Um, it's, it's work that we're really proud of. And, and thank you for being our lovely host as well for last year. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. This has been a, an absolute joy for me, um, hearing from families and uh, talking with them about uh, their, their experiences. It's been really uh, fabulous uh, for me. So thank you. We might um, get started by hearing from both of you. I know you've both listened to all of the podcasts and I'm wondering um, what resonated with you. Perhaps, Sarah, you could get us started. What, what resonated for you? What were the golden moments? Sure. I'll, I'll start off with Trish since um, Trish is here with us today. I think when I was listening to Trish's podcast um, episode, I was just thinking about the connection with her husband and, you know, the, the joint decision-making they made around their, their daughter and the decisions and the pathways um, 
that they would go along as a family. So that really resonated with me. And I was just thinking about how they would, you know, Trish would lean on her husband, all the stories she um, told in the podcast, how she would lean on her husband when she, you know, needed extra support and vice versa, I think. Uh, I also was thinking about the story that Trish told about Erin attending dance classes mm. and how she, um, you know, she was the one that remembered all the steps and could, you know, tell the other children in the dance class, this is, you know, these are the steps that we need to take and this is the order that we need to go in. So Erin um, actively participating and um, in those dance classes, you know, in community really sort of resonated to me what, you know, everyday inclusion is about and, I guess the pride of years later in Trish telling us that story um, just sort of showed how important it was. So, yeah, I just, yeah, thanks, Trish, for including that story. It was a pleasure. It was, it was a pleasure and it was a privilege to, to be able to speak about those experiences and, um, and you know, hearing back on that too, it, it brought a lot of memories to us and, yeah, and it was, it was an experience that I think that... Um, looking in retrospect, um, how hard it was, but then how far we've come as well. Thanks, Sarah. No worries. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Sarah. It was a powerful image. It was a visual image, wasn't it, for us about uh, being in that dance class. Trish, what about you? What, what's really resonated for you? Yeah, for, for me, there was, a, there was a lot. Every podcast I listened to um, really struck a chord in many different ways. But the one that I was thinking about was the one with Chris, who was Liam's mum, and how she talked a lot about working um, with a key worker and, and what a key worker was, but how it worked so well for her and her family. And one thing that really resonated with me was, was a question that you asked, Kerry, um, was about, um, like we, we know about the key worker being that one one contact port of call uh, who sort of integrates all the therapies in one rather than having a lot of therapists. And the question that you asked to Chris, um, do you ever get asked when therapy will start? And and her comment there, was, I thought it was gold. She said she's finally got it through to her paediatrician, what that looks like, um, because I think, you know, in today in the way that therapy is delivered and uh, parents' understanding of what is needed for their children, everyone wants their best for their child, they think they should be having so much of this and that. And, and Chris really encapsulated the idea of what a key worker is and how it works. And it just gives that um, really good information about, how, you know, how early childhood intervention could work with a family using a key worker. So I thought that was a really, yeah, really nice way of putting that, the, the work of a key worker. Yeah. yeah. Didn't Chris explain that nicely for us? Because it's, it's sometimes hard to understand the role of a key worker. And I was interested that so many of the families that uh, I heard from had experience with a key worker and really spoke so positively about that experience. Yeah, yeah, a really common theme. Yeah, I think they all talked about the importance of relationships mm. and partnerships with their key worker and, their, you know, the whole team. Mm. What else for you, Sarah? Oh, I was just thinking about the episode with Brian um, with his daughter Miranda, but he also talked about his older child as well, about how he thought that, his older child, Hayden, was a, a better kid for having a sibling with a disability, that he viewed diversity and difference um, with a different lens. Um, and he was, a, you know, a kinder and a gentler kid for that. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really lovely message. 
Yeah, I, I remember that too. And uh, uh, we talked, Brian and I, about the, the idea of having siblings join the family podcast at some point, and that's certainly something that we'll look towards in 2022. And uh, it, it was great also to have a dad's perspective, I think. Brian brought a, a different way of thinking, and uh, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it was good to hear a dad, yeah. What about you, Trish? Anything else that, that comes to mind for you? Um, yeah, yeah, I was thinking, um, you know, when we talk, we were listening to Brian and he was talking a lot about the relationship they had as a whole family and how instinctively they work together. And that word instinct came up and, again, in a podcast that you um, where you interviewed Jody, um, Charlotte's mum, and how she talked about, having that gut feeling right from the get-go when Charlotte wasn't uh, wasn't breathing properly and um, having to go to one pediatrician, one doctor after another and not being heard and, and how um, oh, how persistent she and her husband were in trying to to get that checked out and and it really did come to fruition when yeah when it was addressed that she did have um, obstructed I think it was a throat obstruction and a hole in the diaphragm and you know all, all these things that really, you know, that without their persistence and without, you know, really wanting to be heard, that that would have been let go. And where would Charlotte be now? Um, and how having that intervention at that time, and then even more recently, she was she talked about going to kindergarten where other things were being uh, looked at and other concerns um, that Jody herself had instinctively been concerned about, and that was brought to the forefront by the team and how now they're working towards. Uh, a, a diagnosis, but also, um, you know, looking at ways of supporting Charlotte um, in in that um, in that environment, and how important it is for families to listen to themselves. I think, as I know, as a mother and as a parent, you do you do have this instinct with your own child, and how important it is in the early days, in the right beginning, to to follow that and to advocate for that. Mm. I, I think just about every family talked with me about gut instinct or following uh, their own ideas and thoughts about how they needed to do the right thing for their family. It was a, a very strong thing, wasn't it? It was. It was something that um, Beck spoke about as well, just really um, asking lots of questions and um, backing yourself. She used that expression and um just having trust and just knowing that you're the one that knows your child best and using that knowledge to help make decisions. Yeah, she did talk about backing herself, didn't she? Yeah, it was powerful. And I think Rahima similarly talked about that and really um, this thing about being the one who persevered came through strongly from Rahima. Rahima yeah. really struck a chord with me too. Um, I found that very powerful. Um, I think um, she talked a lot about doing the research and, and not having a name for, for autism in her culture. Um, and I think, Kerry, you, you came up with the Maori name and it meant so much. Uh, it was such a beautiful way of interpreting that. And um, But for Rahima, her journey was, was really a struggle because there was no name for it. There was no how she had to support her son. There was she had to sort of do it all on her own. But then once she understood what it was, um, she was able to put all that together and, and had the support of her family, a very strong network of support from that point on. Mm. 
that network of support so many families discussed, didn't they? they? They talked about professionals as being support, but more so they talked about the importance of their family support and their network of friends and others. I was thinking also about Kate's podcast as well, about um, her, the decision-making frameworks she came up with and how robust they were and they used those same decision-making frameworks in other aspects of their life. And I think she gave an example about how they use those aspects around buying a house. But um, I thought she she talked about it in the framework that, you know, what's you know best for the children um, and, you know, what's best for our family or what's best for an individual and what would win out. And, and, and at all times it was sort of what was best for their for their kids. So um, that was a really interesting perspective of having a child with a disability and, and what needs to be considered in those contexts. Mm. And interesting that she had that decision-making process in the early years when her child was very young, but that's continued and been helpful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also with Kate, I remember her talking a lot about that. She built that team and part of that decision-making process, that team approach. And um, I know that that was something that was talked a lot with um, little Lulu and her the team around Lulu with the mum, Nina, and Yasmin, the teacher, and uh, Lucy, the key worker, and what a great supportive team they were. And, again, that whole notion of being respectful about that relationship so important within that team and how well that worked for Lulu right from the beginning, from preschool, like kindergarten, um, right through into school, um, and how that collaboration had grown and um, just was able to, you know, use all the expertise from each other and, and build on the skills that they already had, but also they knew their limitations and then they were able to bring in where, where the supports that they needed. Mm. They were delightful, weren't they? Uh, when we finished recording, they talked with enormous appreciation of each other and were so thankful for each other. And it really demonstrated to me when teamwork is going well. It was mm, uh, fabulous such, to hear that. Yeah. Such respect. Mm. One other um, message that really came through strongly for me was Alicia talking about the importance of advocacy and social justice and standing up for you know the rights of her child and even in everyday ways so I think she gave examples of things that happened in the playground and um, what was important to her and how she she talked about advocacy in the terms of it was teamwork as well and, and that it wasn't a fight and it was really um, you know developing a relationship with community and you know, what that means. So, yeah, her message really resonated with me as well. Yeah, she plain spoke some complex issues like advocacy, I think, for us in a, in a really clear way. And you use the word relationships there, Sarah, and wasn't that a strong theme throughout all of the podcasts as families talking about the relationships they had with either service providers, with teachers and others, and, and how important that was. For me, that was a really common theme throughout all of the podcasts. What, what about for you? Do you think there were other common themes? Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that relationships, um, partnerships and, and trust. And I, one really strong feeling I got from all the podcasts was, you know, the journey that families had gone on 
And once they had connected with um, with those people around them, whether that be a key worker or their um, paediatrician or other support people, how how life had become more settled, and and they were able to kind of look back and and you know think about where they had been and um, really um, trusted the decisions that they had made. And I don't think very many families talked about changing anything, Kerry. They all sort of said we're kind of happy where we're at and, and proud of where we've been and what we've achieved. Yeah, I agree, Sarah. I, I think what I heard throughout all the podcasts were that was that unyielding resilience um, that family have and um, the determination and persistence in, in, you know, getting the supports, um, you know, faced with adversity, they just pull through and not just pull through, but like with amazing strength of character um, and spirit. And uh, I think that really resonated with me throughout listening to all the, all those podcasts. Mm. Yeah, certainly their strengths came through and, and didn't they all talk so lovingly about their children and talk about their strengths, what their children were interested in doing and how they were contributing and participating in, in family life and community life. Trish, I'm really interested in hearing from you about what it felt like when you'd finished the podcast because you shared quite a lot with us about your family. Yeah, um, it was it was interesting. I, I think afterwards it was almost cathartic, you know. Uh, it was releasing um, things that, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you're just doing it, you don't have a time to reflect. So that gave me that opportunity to, to reflect on um, what we had gone through. And I, I think my husband and I really, it was really a reminder of our early years and, and you know, how, how far we'd come as well now. Um, you know, there's still areas to work through even now, but I think, you know, we are more resourceful and resilient now, but because of those early years and those experiences that we had had and um, and learning from those experiences and just building our own resources but also the relationships that we have built up within our own family as well. But I, but I do I do remember when um, that went out, that podcast, my family had heard it and um, just their comments was really eye-opening for us they really, you know, nearly everybody in my family, I'm not talking about my sisters and brothers and their families, um, they all said they got a better understanding of what we had gone through and it was a bit of an eye-opener for them in understanding what life was like for us. But also I think it was almost a newfound respect <laughs> in, in a lot of ways for, for us um, in, our, in our journey. And I think while you're in the middle of it all, you're just doing it and you sort of you don't talk about how you're feeling because you, you're just trying to make things work. Um, so it was a really liberating experience for us as a family. Um, yeah, and I have heard that from other families that have uh, participated in the interviews and the podcast as well. It was, yeah, it was, you just look back to see, wow, we were there and look where we are now. <laughs> what a journey. Yeah, so you, you've had that feedback from other families, Trish, and I have too, and I'm sure you have as well, Sarah, we might hear from you in a moment. But, yes, I've been, uh, when I talk with families after the podcast, even some weeks later, they, they often use words like you have too, um, Trish, talking about it being cathartic and, and feeling good and strong about sharing their story. So that's obviously really important to us that this is uh, something that families are both 
wanting to do and feeling good about doing later. Yeah, what about so, you, Sarah? What have you been hearing from families? Yeah, I'm so pleased that it's been a positive experience for families. And I think without a doubt, every family has come back to say um, it was a really worthwhile experience for them and they actually felt good after it. Um, I had one parent who came back to me and said that she wished that she had heard her own interview years ago um, because it just made her feel like, you know, that she had some control and that things were going to work out and work out really well. And um, I'm so happy that, you know, families have found it um, a rewarding, um, good experience for them. Yeah, it, it's, it's critically important for us, isn't it? That's what it's, it's all about. Yeah. Before we finish up today, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I just think it's been such a worthwhile experience for, for me as uh, being part of the first one but also just to listen um, to other people's story. I've learned a lot listening to other people's stories. Um, and I, I think it's um, it, it does reflect on the families and how powerful they are in, in the lives of their own children um, and, and how I think it's an empowering experience to, to look back and to see your own journey as well. So I think it's just been a great podcast for families. Mm. It's. Uh, I agree, Trish. That's certainly the feedback we're getting from uh, listeners is about how positive it's been for them to hear of other family stories, and we're also hearing that from professionals too. So from students or people who are working in early childhood intervention or in schools, um, even in secondary schools, we're hearing teachers that are finding this informative to better understand family experiences. Yeah, that's definitely, um, I think, one of the added bonuses of this podcast is that um, the practitioners are uh, having an opportunity to hear, you know, different family stories and, um, the, you know, the voice of families. Um, yeah, I agree with Trish. I think one of the, um, the positive parts about this podcast is that, you know, that it's the families sharing tips and tricks and, you know, things that they've done along the way that's worked for them. Mm. And Sarah, what about if, if families who are listening to this today are wanting to be involved or would like to participate in a, in a Family Voices podcast? Well, we would love that. So in the show notes will be a brief survey because um, we're seeking families' feedback into this podcast. So we'd be keen for people to take that as well. Yeah, that's great. It is important to us that we hear from families, even about what uh, topics they'd like to hear next year. This podcast is absolutely guided by families. Um, it's uh, family voices, but it's also families sharing with us uh, what resources they uh, would like to hear more about and so on. So, so please let us know. Thanks. Thank you once again to all who have shared their stories with me this year. I've really enjoyed our conversations and what I've learned from you. That's the last of our podcasts for 2021. We'll have new monthly episodes next year. If you'd like to be part of the podcast or have ideas about topics you'd like us to cover, please contact Ekia Victaz or complete the brief survey. You'll find the link to it below. Wishing you all some happy times with family and friends over the Christmas break. Thank you all.
we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Family Voices. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast app and feel free to leave a review to help us gain more of an understanding of what types of conversations are helpful to you. More information about the podcast can be found on ekiavic.org.au. Until next time, thank you for listening.